The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> vibes this is the homance chronicles and i'm sarah and i remembered halfway through that that nicole yelled at me for singing things one day but she didn't really yell at me she just told me you shouldn't do it ah fuck hey y'all yeah (laughs) i'm sarah and i'm nicole (laughs) i'm the yeller actually i um feel like you know remember i remember specifically (laughs) When I was at Spex Howard, which is a media arts school, and I was doing a mock radio tape, basically, I was taping myself doing different intros and whatever. And um, I did something like sing songy and I got tore apart for it. Yeah. And so I mean, it's, it was it's a dumb response for you, I think. <laughs> yeah. Cause you looked at me dead in my eyes and you're like, we don't sing. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you didn't really do that. But I do remember that time and finding it and very entertaining now that every time I start to sing something halfway through, I'm like, oh, shit, I shouldn't do this. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the nice thing is that here we make our own rules because mm-hmm. it's my so, damn show. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really tried to, to be strategic with who I picked today. Um, however, I don't know if my setup's going to be all that great. So uh, we've got another hoe of history. All right. And I'm sighing because I didn't really put anything in here that is a good reference point to a previous episode, even though I'm going to talk about it. So everybody else gets to do the homework, I guess. (laughs) This is going to be fun. I'm really excited for this, whatever it is. I love surprises still. So I'm just like, I can do better. Um. (laughs) We can. The thing is, do we have the ability to commit? No. Well, I already tried to just chat GPT this thing and it didn't work. <laughs> it did not work. I, I got not. misinformation. It was too short. It, there weren't enough juicy details. It didn't matter how many different prompts I gave. I was like, oh shit, I got to actually do this. Oh my God. That's fucking hilarious. And that is also just so you people know we do the work. <laughs> <laughs> every episode is a book report but we love it it's fucking I, weird you not give these women justice and yeah. i also don't want to do false reporting well that too because that would make have us some integrity i mean we have integrity just not credibility let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> that's all we got is our integrity true i'm just literally reading what other people have written <laughs> hey and you know what the artistic value is the order you put it in Oh, yes, yes, yes. The extra color commentary as well. Mm-hmm. And the interpretation um, or lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just hitting all of the value propositions just right out the gate. So, TV show coming at you <laughs> circa 2030. 
with your producers, Nicole and Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) That's too far away. Um, Gives me enough time. I'd I'd like for it to happen tomorrow. Okay. That'd be be helpful. That's fair. Wake Um, up. Could you actually, when I was, I was looking at the list of people we've already done. I'm like, holy shit, we've done so many. Yeah. We've done quite a few, but there's so many more to do. Like so many more to do. No. And every time I do one, then there's like a branch off for another person or like a recommendation that comes up from the blogs I read or mm-hmm. whatever. Like one that came up when I was researching our whole history for today was Audrey Hepburn. And I'm like, I need like seven episodes to do Audrey. Honestly. Hepburn. And Elizabeth Taylor has a new documentary coming out. And I was like, girl, I couldn't touch her with a 10 foot pole. There's nothing I could do. I would have to spend months researching her in order to do her justice months. My mother used to reference I look Show like a young tomorrow. Taylor all the time. Huh? <laughs> TV show tomorrow because I need a team of researchers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. Could you imagine back to what I was going to imagine waking up tomorrow and us being like people that are in this process of being in a TV show and writers or something. And they're like, hey, Sarah, Nicole, can we do this? And you would look at each other. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, you can. Right. Are we supposed to be making right. these decisions? Like we're all of a sudden the important people in the room. Good Lord. I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, I w- I just want to be the talking head. Just serve me the information. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I feel like recording us not knowing pre and then getting it before we record and then reading it live. Our shows would be a lot longer and a lot more hilarious because I wouldn't believe it. I'd have to fucking be like, Tanner, are you sure? Are you fucking sure? <laughs> Tanner, you know, my Gen Z name. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just what came out. <laughs> Editors too, who would, who would be able to keep the episode length under wraps. It doesn't, right? you can keep whatever, whatever length. Look at where we are right now. How many minutes are we in? We still haven't fucking started. Cause I'm going on a rant about potential future happenings. That'll mm. actually happen, just not in the fashion we're discussing because we're manifesting this fucking TV show. Yeah, Mercury retrograde's over. Uh-huh. The universe has opened up. Uh-huh. It's hearing our call. And we're gonna keep calling, goddammit. Because Pluto's <laughs> also in retrograde. And you know what that means? Huge, huge you signal. Shifts. <laughs> huge shifts. Catch. Busy signal. <laughs> <laughs> when you call and you'd be like oh of a bitch (laughs) all right i can't wait anymore okay curious today's hose of history is norma shearer oh i have no idea who this lady is yeah right however i've mentioned her in a previous episode (laughs) okay let's see if i can connect the dots i probably already i've connected the dots for you oh shit all right (laughs) came in ready for that kind of day okay what do i gotta do now <laughs> just listen <laughs> all right um so when i did the joan crawford story is when i came across norma shearer because joan had some choice words about norma um because norma had a lot of success but she was also married to an MGM producer. Oh, I and remember so, now. She was throwing all sorts of shade because Norma had all these different opportunities. And right. And so like, fuck this. Jones like, this shit. yeah, Jones like, how am I going to get roles when Norma's sleeping with the boss? 
right? <laughs> I remember that real well. Okay. So I don't remember exactly which episode number Joan Crawford was, but it was a couple ago. Three back, I think. And so that's why I said, I'm like, I could do better about my previous references and what Joan actually said. But you know what? No one, I don't think cares. Go listen to it. Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) If you missed it, go listen. Joan were kind of frenemies, but they worked in Hollywood together. And for a lot of that time with MGM, like for almost 20 years. So it was a constant like rival back and forth. And I'll talk about it later. Um, They competed for roles all the time. And like gossip columnists would totally play up all of the rivalry um, that in like antics that were going on during filming. So obviously Hollywood loved it because it, it drew all this attention and drama. Right. And so then there'd be today. Yeah. So then there'd be anticipation about the movie coming because you're like, Oh, Joan and Norma fought it out for this role. (laughs) I know the history. She slapped the bitch cross face open-handed. Could you believe it? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Miss Norma Shearer was born in Montreal, Canada. Oh, she August. was a Canadian. Yes, maybe that's okay. why. That's maybe maybe they had some also some anger towards each other. Was she being discriminatory against the Canadian? Joan was all about Joan. She was discriminatory against everyone. Oh, I know. I'm making a joke. <laughs> like, all right, I that's know. a straw that broke the camel's back. No, Joan was just a bitch. We all knew it. <laughs> Norma was born August 11th, 1902. She was actually born Edith Norma Shearer. Um, Her mother's name was also Edith. Uh, She was the youngest of... um, There was three of them total. So she was the youngest of three siblings. Her father was a successful businessman and her mom was a former opera singer. And she encouraged Norma to develop an interest in the arts so because her life was um i'll say better than most they do (laughs) say that she came from a life of privilege which was due to her her father's successful construction business um but the marriage was not great between her parents and um, surprise, her father. Surprise! Oh wait, her does father... he leave the family? No, no. So her father had manic depression, and um, it's it's said that he moved around the house like a ghost or like a shadow. And uh, her mother was very like attractive and flamboyant and stylish and like outgoing. So clearly when her father was down, her mother was not going to be down with him. Right. She was all about her. Yeah. So despite that fact, Norma once described her childhood as like a pleasant dream, but it ended in um, 1918, which was around World War One, And she would have been like, 16 and that's when her father's company collapsed 
Oh, geez. Yeah. And um, then because of that collapse, her sister also suffered a serious mental breakdown. So um, older or younger sister? Older. So they were all, they were forced to move into like a small, tiny house in a Montreal suburb. And um, Norma actually had a pretty good attitude about all of it. Um, She was looking at it very positively and tried to do the most that she could with the little that they had. And the sudden change to poverty actually really gave her some ambition and some extra drive. Um, uh, she was innocent still. Yes. <laughs> I guess. I mean, <laughs> she didn't blame her father for the business folding. Like she actually had a philosophy about failure that um, just because the business failed, it didn't mean that her father failed. Like she was able to separate the two, but her mother was not. And her mother was like, get me the fuck out of here. Oh. So, well, yeah, her it's mom, mom. It's the mom actually, Bail. yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, so her mom took the kids, like left the dad on his own. Okay. So, so she took like, the kids. I'm out peace. She took the kids with her, so she did it to herself. But yeah, the kids were older. I mean, they ended up moving into like a cheap boarding house, <laughs> and um. 19 like around 1920 she moved them to new york city but i mean when i say poverty i mean like real real poverty like the places that they were staying in they had like a cot with no mattress Mm -hmm. right and you know one burner on a stove that actually worked and they had to have a shared bathroom in the hallway with with the other other tenants of the building yeah 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 um that is what a boarding house is. It's like 200 square foot room with, you know, like a kitchen sink and a mirror. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, her mom basically went to New York in the hopes that they would find their way into like show business because That's business, baby, because <laughs> Norma like took dance classes and when she was really young, she saw like a vaudeville act, like she was like nine or something. And then from that point on, she proclaimed that she wanted to be in entertainment or be an actress. And um, she even like modeled as a child and won a contest when she was like 14. So mom was putting all her eggs in the Norma basket. Yeah, well, makes sense. Except mom was for an opportunist. Fact, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except for the fact that Norma was not traditionally pretty and um she had a few quirky things about her and so she did do an audition for Zigfield's Follies and his response to her was that she was too short had fat legs and I cast in one eye and he oh. reportedly called her a dog oh i know how, but like I said, she won a beauty contest at like 14. So she knew how to work a room. She knew how to work people. Um, but for the, but she was not traditionally pretty. And so she did have a condition called strem, 
bismuth, which basically means crossed eyes. And so um, the critique that she got from Zigfield actually fueled her to uh, get surgery. So she had eye surgery and she got her teeth capped. Ooh, her teeth were capped. What happened? What was wrong with them? I don't know. All right, I tried to do more digging about her surgeries, but that's all I could find. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it. So at casting calls, she would just try to be smarter than the other girls and would do things like cough to grab producers' attention and like do certain things when they would walk by her in a chorus line. So she tried to use tactics to get attention wow um so later in life though she was actually known as like a stunning beauty i mean she was absolutely gorgeous later in life for sure i'm just trying to find her before photos so even initially when she got into real films and whatnot she was not seen as a as a beauty oh yeah there's a picture of her with the crossed eye yeah, but her before photo, like her teeth aren't even that crooked. I don't know. No, I'm just so, saying like it's crazy how they probably forced her to do some really crazy uncomfortable shit because it was back then. She did she wanted to do it. It doesn't seem like anybody forced her to do anything. That's fair. Um and then she also, you know, once she got into like her full on movie career, she played like spunky, sexually liberated characters. And in real life, she really didn't wear makeup at all. <laughs> so she she actually believed in taking care of her skin. And I was like, oh, girl. <laughs> you know, me and my skincare. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. That a girl, that a girl. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess she even wrote about like her skincare and beauty regimen in a book called The Real Norma Shearer. Oh, that's fun. Look at her go. So despite how she uh, received lackluster attention and even negative and hurtful um, comments about the way that she looked, she prevailed and was like, I'm going to do me. So um, within a year, though, of moving to New York, Norma made her film debut, and it was a silent film at the time. It's called The Steelers, and that caught the attention of talent scout and future MGM vice president Irving Thalberg. Now, Irving is the guy she marries. Oh. So he found her when she was doing this silent film and secured a five-year contract for her with the studio in 1923. So she would have been 21-ish. Um, so she moved to LA and quickly became one of the studio's top stars. So she had a string of successful films from the 1920s and 1930s. And by 1925, she signed a new contract and it paid $1,000 a week, which is about $17,000 a week in today's money. Oh, wow. And oh, then wow. over the course of the five years, it would gradually rise to $5,000 a week, which is about $86,000 in today's money. Could you imagine? 
So she bought a house for her and her mom under the Hollywood sign. Hell yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. So mom's plan works. However, Norma was very persistent. And like I said, she was very ambitious and also had a certain drive about her. Mm-hmm. So um, she was one of the few actresses that successfully transitioned from silent films to talkies, which we've we've talked about the talkies. Oh, yes, we have talked about the talkies. <laughs> Yes, we have. So she was actually known for having a great speaking voice and was praised for her ability to convey emotion through her words. So being in the talkies outweighed her looks. Because in silent film, all you had was looks, right? Right. So um, one of her most notable roles was in the film The Divorcee in 1930. And she won an Academy Award for Best Actress in that film. And um, that was one of the first of many films that Joan Crawford would lose to Norma. (laughs) Oh, she probably called her a cross-eyed bitch like a thousand fucking times a day. Watch. (laughs) (laughs) So Norma ended up with six Academy Award nominations throughout her career. And she made films throughout the whole 1930s and worked with some of Hollywood's biggest names like um, Clark Gable and Spencer Tracy. But she was also known for producing. And so supposedly she produced several of her own films and that's what helped launch the careers of people like Clark Gable. Nice. Yeah. So um, one critic, one American film critic, Mick LaSalle, when he was reviewing her work, called her a feminist pioneer. And to quote him, he said, the exemplar of sophisticated modern womanhood and the first American film actress to make it chic and acceptable to be single and not a virgin on screen. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Good for her. Right? He was like, I'm out here. (laughs) Hell yeah, she was. And I have had sex. Playing the divorcee. (laughs) I mean. So. True. Over these years of her making movies, becoming a producer, she's still entangled with Irving right (laughs) so she found herself kind of like increasingly more and more attracted to her boss because Irving was her boss Mm -hmm. (laughs) right 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 she said there's something was understood between us an indefinite feeling that neither of us could analyze oh my and so at the end of a working day in July 1925 Norma received a phone call from Irving's secretary asking if she would like to accompany him to the premiere of Charlie Chaplin's The Gold Rush. Hmm. So that night they made their first appearance as like a couple. And a few weeks later, she went to Montreal and took him with her to visit her father. Yeah. So while she was in Montreal... She met with an old friend and told her friend that she was in love with him and that they would get married. Well, then. Yeah. However, (laughs) 
over the course of the next few years, they both dated other people. What the fuck? <laughs> Listen, we really need to get it out there and then we'll get married. Okay. Just get all your rocks out first. It's fine. That's what I imagine happened. I think they saw each other and other people at the same time. Um, so when she was finishing the movie, The Student Prince, Norma received a call. When I love this, it said summoning her oh. up to Irving's office. Summoning. And so <laughs> she entered to find Irving sitting at his desk before a tray of diamond engagement rings. <laughs> oh. He granted her the option to choose her own ring. So she just picked out the biggest one. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Oh, not very romantic, but I guess, you know, it worked for both of them. Wait, um, what was her age difference again? Only a couple of years. He was... Like when she was like 23, he was like 26. So even though he was a vice president at MGM, he was super young. Okay. Um, and so, you know, she can't hide this giant ring. Well, no, who could? <laughs> the rumors start squirreling. And then they finally told people in August, 1927, that they were engaged. And then a month later they got married and it was the Hollywood wedding of the year. All right, Kardashian style. They got married quick. So Irving was either like none of that has changed. You mean in Hollywood? Yeah. The like, uh, we kind of see each other. We're rumored to be together. We're married. And then boom. (laughs) You get it. So Irving was one of the most powerful men in Hollywood at the time, and he was really instrumental in shaping her career. And because of that, she was actually named first lady of the screen by oh, MGM. my. Yeah. Well, well, well. Yeah. So they ended up having two children, Irving Jr. and Catherine. You mean she and then, normal Jr. like Joni over there? She did not. I she, do remember that much. Yeah. I give you my name and I take it away. <laughs> uh, God. In 1932, she appeared on Exhibitor's Poll of the 10 Most Popular Box Office Stars for three years in a row. So... um. In 1933, though, she took a lengthy, we'll call it vacation in Europe because Irving was recovering from a heart attack. Again, 1930, he was like, I don't know, early 30s, early 30s and had a heart attack. But these women always end up in Europe somehow. In this case, she's on vacation but really taking care of her ill husband yeah she's but had to go to europe to do it i mean (laughs) they at that point though had airplanes at least she wasn't stowing away with the cows 
She did not have to find a ride with cattle. No. Um, however, I, it's just an interesting trend that happens every time. It's like, when is this woman going to end up in Europe? Um, and I also like that there's no discrimination in that era. It was anybody could get to Europe. You just had to get there. Because <laughs> mm, mm. well, there was an opportunity to stow away on a fucking boat with cattle. I don't know if that's still an option anymore. Jeff, feel like I don't think anybody's going to be able to go to the cargo hold of a ship and make it. <laughs> no. No, no. And I, I I will say that there was a cap on when you were free to go to Europe because World World War II really stopped that. Yeah. You know, Hitler, Nazis, that whole thing kind of right. really Dampened shut it. that down. But, um, so her husband ends up passing away from pneumonia at the age of 37 oh god i know he must have been real unhealthy but had a good time that's the definition of here for a good time not a long time right fucking there (laughs) (laughs) i just thought maybe he was super stressed i mean yeah but being the top brass at a movie company in that era was mm-hmm. very stressful but also you had you had political power and mm-hmm. you had like mob power so like he had a great fucking time think about that 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 is an angle that is drugs true. And booze all kinds of fun times yeah he was in europe the movie theater movie yes mm-hmm. so that's, well, that's why like what causes a uh, 30 something year old or early 30 year old to have a heart attack right Partying. cocaine <laughs> cocaina yes <laughs> especially back then when it was very uncut <laughs> yeah that richness Fresh. um so anyway <laughs> he passed away in 1936 so that would have been like nine years or so after they got married Okay. And Norma was completely devastated. Yeah. And so. Irving was known as Boy Wonder of Hollywood. <laughs> so he was responsible for some of the biggest films back then. Um Irving. Norma had her wits about her enough that she retained a lawyer <clears throat> to ensure that his percentages of the films uh would be like paid to his estate. And of course, MGM contested it. Oh well, yeah. I like how you went beet juice and a little Arnie Palmer mix. <laughs> and my beet juice is gone. The health. <laughs> it's a little power health. <laughs> beet juice is gone and the Arnie Palmer is just sitting. delightful. It was it well, it was sitting here. So mm-hmm. um so anyway, his work that he did, she made sure it still got paid to the estate. Smart. Um, so even though MGM contested it, there was a gossip columnist named Luella Parsons, and she took the story and like ran with it. So then the studio was forced to give in and <gasps> granted all the profits. Hell yeah. That's that's working for the people on that one. I like it. Well, Norma and Irving were very aware of PR 
and how to like, like I said, she worked people. Right. Manipulatory. And so (laughs) that's not a real word, but it should be. (laughs) So the profits were from MGM movies made and released from 1924 to 1938. And so that meant the estate eventually received over 1.5 million in percentage payments. And her contract was also renewed for six films at 150,000 each. (laughs) What a bummer. Huge bummer. Wow. Yeah. So during this time, she had a brief romance with a younger actor named James Stewart. And then she had an affair with a married actor named George Raft. Norma. Well, apparently George was separated from his wife years earlier. Um, like they got separated quickly after they had gotten married, but his wife would re- like refuse to give a divorce. <laughs> no, so, you son of a bitch, you're mine and all your assets included. I can imagine that was a safety precaution for women back in the day still. Well, and George publicly stated that he wanted to marry Norma. Oh, and so his imagine? ex was like, fuck that. You're not getting a divorce from me to marry Could you. What? Just let me create as much drama as possible now. <laughs> I know. Wild because Norma and George didn't make it through because all this controversy controversy spurred up disapproval at MGM. And so that put pressure on them to end their quote unquote affair, even Would though you, George was separated. If that happened now, the studios don't give a fuck really. Well, they do, but not as they're not as involved in everybody's lives as they used to be, like controlling relationships and stuff. Now it's hey, you, you looked at child pornography or hey, you ate somebody uh, at like a cannibal, you sh- you're not going to be in our movies anymore. <laughs> It's like that now. I don't know if it's that Lucy Goosey, but um, it, it seems as though they would they would follow the moniker of no of all press is good press. <laughs> yeah, well, right. Whereas back in this time, it was more like your reputation was everything, and you needed to still be pristine and yeah, have a certain perception. Oh, yeah. So I'll have to be like, leave it to Beaver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Norma did take a break from acting to focus on raising her children after Irving died. Um, she eventually did return to the screen, but never really got to the same level of success as she did prior to when he was alive. So in 1938, she started in a film called Marie Antoinette. And it was a passion project for her. Um, she spent months researching her and even learned French so that she could speak it in the in Hell the film. yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. Like, that's the kind of ADHD motivation I need. Hey, listen, you're going to be in a giant movie. Go ahead and learn French. Okay. I got this. You bet. When? <laughs> to our point earlier, when talking about these women of history... Norma spent months researching Marie Antoinette because she wanted to give her justice. She wanted to really fulfill her as, as a true character, which I have so much respect for, you know? 
art. Nice. <laughs> In all forms. Art. Um, <laughs> when MGM was starting work on the 1939 movie Idiot's Delight, Joan Crawford was very keen on playing the part of Irene because she was eager to work with Clark Gable again. Um, however, Norma got that part as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so after all of these lost roles, it's kind of easy to see why Joan was a little pissy about Bitter it. Betty. Yes. And um, so she really wanted to land the part of Crystal Allen, who's the perfume saleswoman who steals Mary Haynes's husband in the movie, the women <laughs> and Mary Haynes is played by Norma Shearer. <laughs> so in the movie, the women, Joan Crawford wanted to play a part, play a character where she would steal disrespect Norma. quote, Norma's husband. <laughs> yes. Disrespect Miss Norma. Yeah. I, I yes. see. Yeah. You know what? I'm a, if I can't take your man in real life, I'm going to take him on stage. Huh? How you like me now? <laughs> <laughs> so uh MGM was like a little confused by Joan <laughs> wanting to take a step backwards and play like an unsympathetic supporting role because she was an established star. And um just for funsies. Yeah, Joan though, <laughs> she knew what she was doing. And so she apparently appealed to the director and eventually got the part. So she knew she would be this like wonderful Crystal Allen because she had all this pent up Animosity. energy. Yes. And um, God, no so, acting needed for that one. I bet you they filmed that shit in like eight days. <laughs> she was so excited to take out her frustrations with Norma on screen. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to watch it now. Now that we know this, let's watch it. Good. We should have a movie night and watch yeah. the women. I'm in. Um, but the tension between Norma and Joan like was a huge part of the publicity behind the women. Fuck yeah. So while shooting, that's why we want to watch it. Shit. <laughs> I know. I know. So while shooting, there's this like big confrontation scene between Mary and crystal, AKA Norma and Joan in a, in a dressing room. And Joan quite famously like sat off screen and knitted while reading her lines to Norma when Norma was being filmed for her close-ups. So, <laughs> sound of Joan's knitting needles was super distracting to Norma. And she eventually told the director to send Joan home and then asked the director to read her her lines instead. So then Joan storms off and the director gave her a lecture on professional behavior but secretly he was eating it up because he knew that it was going to be great publicity for the movie. Oh, fuck yeah. Could you imagine? Like, hell yeah, ladies. I'm going to turn this bus around. <laughs> We're going to pull over. We have to pull over. Don't make me stop the car. Uh, if I have to stop this movie, I'm going to beat your asses. <laughs> oh, that's all the, like, Norma and Joan drama that I included in this yeah. story, but it was pretty funny. And um, not to them, I'm sure, while it was happening, but to me oh, yeah. reading this, I was Currently. like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is good. 
this is really good. Chad GPT couldn't give that to me. No, um, so Norma's final film appearance was in 1942 and it was called Her Cardboard Lover. Um, she actually turned down the lead roles in Gone with the Wind and Mrs. Miniver. I think I'm saying that right. Um, and retired in 1942. At the age of 46 years old. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. She would have been 40. Oh, yes. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. Good so she knew her prime had passed. I'm saying this with air quotes. Well, she just had a really hard time with her husband being gone and with yeah. him being such a huge par- part of the process of her career and they really did it as like a partnership. And so she never really could bounce back after that. Um, so yeah, from, from like the time she retired in 1942 at like 40 years old until her death in 1983, she really didn't make any appearances as an actress and was rarely seen in public. Um, she did marry a man named Martin, Arju, Ar, Arush, Arush. He was a World War II Navy aviator and a former ski instructor to her children. <laughs> he was also 11 years younger than her. Oh. But they girl. remained married until her death. Go, girl. Like, they stayed together for a long time. I guess 11 um, years old. Like, hmm. If we were to be dating people who are just turning 30, I think it'd be weird. But once you reach 50 and you're dating somebody that's 40, is it that weird? I, I don't know. 40 does seem like a good turn. Mm-hmm. Where now the age we're maybe there. isn't. Yeah. But like thinking about a 30 year old. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So she, oh Lord. (laughs) I mean, you're basically a babysitter. Um, she like withdrew from the Hollywood scene and around 1960, her secretary is quoted as saying, Miss Shearer does not want any publicity. She doesn't talk to anyone, but I can tell you that she has refused many requests to appear in motion pictures and TV shows. <laughs> I like how she still's got a fucking secretary. That's like, no, 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 you don't understand. No, no. <laughs> she does not talk to anyone. Period. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> like That's all she says all day is no, no, no. No. <laughs> I know. No. Nah. <laughs> right? Gets real creative with how she declines things. Uh to inform you. Nah. <laughs> right. Um, thanks, but no. So despite Norma's success in Hollywood, she was actually known for being like really down to earth and super friendly. And she was um really into philanthropic work and gave to a lot of charities and her children went on seemingly to be very well adjusted. And they went to like Ivy league schools and had all the best education, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, I feel like Joan and Norma are so yin and yang, so hardcore now after hearing the story. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It is insane. Mm-hmm. It's like night and day. Mm-hmm. So when Norma passed away in 1983, it was at the age of 80 from bronchial uh, pneumonia. So she left behind a legacy as one of Hollywood's most talented and beautiful actresses, and her influence can still be seen in films today. So that is the story of Norma Shearer. And my sources were tcm.com, Britannica.com, Wikipedia, the musichall.org, and a blog called Hollywood Review. Um, The blog was called dueling divas joan crawford versus <laughs> of course sucked me in too pcm turner classic movies that's why i used to watch turner classics with my mother every weekend when i was growing up so like a lot of these movies i have in my brain bouncing around in there somewhere <laughs> i i don't recall watching a lot of older movies that were in black and white all of them i do recall watching some older movies but yeah no i definitely this have, era no i definitely have a few of them tucked away in there somewhere like next to shirley temple you know mm-hmm. yeah the nice thing about tcm.com is that they will give you a timeline of life events so they'll like break it down by year and like oh. the main thing that happened that year. I've Very used TCM nice. for some other stories too. Um because it's easier for me when I pull information from various sources than to use their timeline as like a chronological right backbone basically. It's so funny because that's typically how I'll build out my stories is the timeline. Well thank you for sharing Miss Norma's story and I love it so much. And I feel like I have a lot of respect for that lady. You're welcome. I was very happy when the film critic basically said that she was okay with being seen as not a virgin and like a sexy woman and basically like more of a modern lady. Not like, you know, well, I mean, at this point, like a teenager like a fresh young teenager she's not she's a woman (laughs) yeah and um i also was just so i guess taken aback by all of the attention around her looks in a negative way and she still was like Fuck all y'all. I'm going to be on every big movie and everybody's screen. Everybody's going to watch me. Mm-hmm. And she done did that. <laughs> That's what I love about her. She was like, yeah, all right. I'm cross-eyed and <laughs> called knowing your she angles. God damn. <laughs> yeah. She didn't get surgery to fix that. But, um, but yeah, despite her lack of traditional beauty based on opinions of men at that time she still prevailed and obviously had talent mm-hmm. and was able to transition into the talkies and well really i mean off. she also had sanity i think that was on her side as well <laughs> <laughs> she could conduct <Yeah>. herself 
Yep. Yep. So I respect <laughs> her game. That's for sure. Hell yeah. I respect it too. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's at a girl time now. It certainly is. At a girls are things that we're proud of ourselves for doing or thing positive things that have happened to us. We just like to give ourselves a pat on the back every now and then. Well, yeah. not every now and then, every single episode. Every episode, because we deserve it. We are, we work hard for the money, honey. <laughs> Our attempts to highlight the positive and speak better of ourselves and not have the internal negative dialogue happening. I would hope that in turn that other people would then do it too. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's not selfish to say, Hey, I'm proud of myself. Right. It's Just not. stop the negative talk for like two seconds. Right. 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 I got a, I got one. <clears throat> okay. Mine's work focused though. So I'm like, you know, five months ish into this new job and I finally feel like I have enough under my belt to start making those decisions on the fly instead of being like wait is this right I'm new is this right so I you know connected some people and did some my some stuff that I think I'm supposed to do I'm not real sure but I did it and I got thanked for it and I think I helped push something forward so I'm proud of myself for that because I didn't second guess myself I just went ahead and did the damn thing (laughs) Good. Yeah. You can get yourself into a second guessing trap and then it's a spin cycle. You can't get. Oh yeah. It's a vicious cycle. Vicious. Just start sending emails. It's fine. It'll happen. Everything will be okay. (laughs) Or if you're me, you just continue to procrastinate it (laughs) until a decision has to be made and you have to submit something. Um, Nothing like putting the pressure on yourself. Right. I mean, you know, the last minute. So, yeah, you know yourself the best. Nothing like trying to force yourself to perform. (laughs) It's a real comfortable (laughs) feeling. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. Didn't don't lose sleep at all. You know, no, none at all. But don't do it either. You know, (laughs) (laughs) while you can't sleep because you're not doing it, also just don't do it. Think about (laughs) it. (laughs) And so well, those are those ru- the unwritten rules I have in my head. If I'm up in the middle of the night thinking about something, my rule is I don't get out of bed. I don't turn the lights on because then I'll never go back to fucking sleep. Yeah. In general, I try to just write it down or put it in my notes app nope, and then it's out of my head phone. and it's, it's somewhere else. Nope. I just let it ruminate because otherwise I'll get on my phone. I'll start scrolling on other shit. And next thing you know, bink, I've been wide awake since fucking two 30 in the morning. <laughs> it's just not healthy. Could write it down on paper, old school way. <sighs> that would require me making sure I had a pen and paper on my nightstand. Mm. I do. I have like two notebooks by my bed. I've got cats. So the pen thing is a real hit or miss. I could put something in a drawer. I know. Drawer. Yeah. All the unmentionables go in the second drawer. The top <laughs> drawer is for late night thoughts. Oh, unmentionables <laughs> just hang out loud and proud. We're good. <laughs> Bish, this is my house. <laughs> my Funny. So you'll leave those <laughs> out when you have cats, but you won't leave a pen out. They don't fuck with them. The pens, they disappear. <laughs> I don't get it. I'm okay with it. Like it's not a bad problem. They're to have. both phallic shaped. Like I this. know. 
but I think the pens, they have enough that, you know, they can really kick them around the room and chase them. <laughs> yeah. There's not as much heft. <laughs> no. And surprise vibrates, you know, that's the other thing. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, my at a girl is that my bedroom has been a process of redo for like months. <laughs> I got the floor redone. I got the walls and ceiling painted and I've been waiting to put up my pictures until I got my, um, paint with numbers done. So I got my paint with numbers done finally. And then now my room is done. I, so I spent a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon or something. And was just like, we're hanging up all of the things. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time. Yeah, but it looks so good. So, so worth it. So oh yeah, I, I was getting really tired of the blank walls. I bet it's kind of sad having blank walls. <laughs> I know, I know. It'd been about four months, I think. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay, all right. That's enough. Come on. That's yeah. enough. <laughs> I follow this guy on Instagram, Brian the Diamond, and he's oh a queen, if you will. He's got. He down he adopted he downloaded two cats. He adopted two cats. <laughs> I'm assimilating fuck. <laughs> Getting sucked back in. <laughs> so he has two cats, right? And his friend is sending him pictures of this other cat that needs to be saved. It's a Persian short hair. Of course, he saves this cat. Now he has a full-blown cat room in his apartment or condo or whatever he lives in. And he was like, What should I do? What should I do? And I'm like, add some fucking pictures. What? Like, that's literally what the whole house is missing is pictures on the wall. Like, none of the walls have pictures. It's strange. Strange to me how people do What's that. What's very funny to me is that this is reminding me of a conversation that I had with my friend Brent, who is all, he's, he's gay, but he's not full on, like, queen. Um, no. But he moved into an apartment. This was, I don't know, a decade ago at this point. He moved into an apartment and I had done a painting for him and he had a pile of artwork and stuff that needed to be hung up. And I, he invited a few of us over to his new apartment without any of it being hung up. <laughs> and so when I had given him this painting, I was like, I really want you to hang it up and not put it with its cousins on the floor. <laughs> Do you know where it remained? On the With floor. the cousins. On the floor. So now anything that's on the floor, leaning against the wall that's supposed to be hung up that's not is called a cousin. <laughs> oh, that's even better. I like that. <laughs> if anybody wants to take that, I'm giving you permission. But remember where it came from. Nicole. Nicole fucking Bonneville. The queen of one-liners. So funny. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, please don't put this with its cousins. <laughs> nope it's with the cousins cousins are having a party yeah, you gotta floor. do what you gotta do you know what i'm saying jeff Phil? <laughs> that's hilarious absolute riot has it been if you guys like huh has it been hung up since i don't know i mean he's I'd moved so. a couple of times since then i'd hope so so <laughs> i think when i visited him in san francisco he had stuff on the walls that's good. That's progress. <laughs> his apartment, he moved back here in his apartment. I 
I think he, I don't know. I don't know what he has going on. Well, we'll give everybody an update. I'm sure you're going to text him right after and be like, hey. <laughs> Do you still have cousins on the floor? Is that where <laughs> nope. they live? Yeah. Um, if you liked what you heard today, please rate, review, subscribe. If you have a hoe of history that you'd like to request, you can send it to homancepodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at homance underscore chronicles. Um, you can get homance merch from my Etsy shop, which is etsy.com slash shop slash Nicole Bonneville. We've got a closed group on Facebook that has nothing to do with hose of history. It's just offending you left and right. Um, <laughs> That's our former podcast called the homance chronicles. <laughs> it's, it's for, yeah. I, every time that I'm talking about what we're doing podcast. now. Yeah. And it, well, and, it, and the thing is like, not that for like we're keeping everything's the same. So I've been calling, um, hose of history, a new series. <laughs> oh, that's what, that's what it is. Yeah. And yes, we're really I'm like, heavy I'm like into we've transitioned right into a new series we're called season, Hose of History. We're season 17 or something now, so it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, but we really appreciate you continuing on this journey th- with us through 17 seasons of <laughs> whatever we decide to fucking do. I mean, honestly, again, it's our show. Right. Shit. Fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> 